Welcome to the Unlock Philippines podcast, your once or twice weekly informational podcast on all things lockdown management related. We hope to help you get through what you need to get through so we can keep it together while we social distance apart. I'm Jet Akuzar. I'm based in the Philippines. And I'm Jantina Fong Nigaman. That's N-I-G-G-E-M-A-N-N, a Filipina based in Hong Kong, and we are your hosts. On this episode of the Unlock Philippines podcast, Jet speaks to Pia Mankiat, who was nominated to speak to us on behalf of Lawyers for Doctors. The organization is a team of lawyers, law students, and volunteers who pool, organize, and direct resources for the benefit of medical frontliners. But before I speak to Pia, it is a Thursday as we record this, which means... It's Thursday. It's, it's Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Why don't we just do the it's Thursday Thursday since you have your thing. Yeah, okay. we have, I have the bits okay. now. Hey, cool. Okay, one, two, three. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday Thursdays. Back in the day, in my normal people days... <laughs> Thursday Thursdays meant something else. It was like the night. No, but like seriously, Thursdays was like the night that we really kind of went out during the week. I don't know why we didn't do the weekends really. Because was the weekends Thurs- are for like people who weren't cool, right? You you needed to go out on the weekday because you were like young and fun. It's us old people yeah, who try to come out on the weekend as if it's our night to come out. But really, we're not cool. Yeah, <laughs> It's all the young people, yeah, people are would- like done. Yeah, it's like people with full-time jobs, you know, come out on weekends. Yeah, <laughs> that would be it. That would be it. So, yeah, I mean, Thursdays for us was like dinner and drinks at Brinkley's or the Wine Gallery, which were kind of like, it's really the same restaurant. I have no idea why they even called it two different things. It was next door to each other. And um, there was like a, you could pass through from one area to one restaurant to the other. It was the same restaurant ran by a man called John Brinkley. I don't know if he still owns it because I haven't been there in years. Um, no, that's not true. I was there last year. Still alive? Or was I? Yeah, I, I, don't, know, I don't think I saw John, but like the, the place is still around, I, I think, if I remember correctly. Anyway, and then we would go to Bougie's or Annabelle's or Tramp. Happy days. But these days, Thirsty Thursdays has taken on a whole other meaning because Thirsty Thursdays are the days... Where you and me, married hags. <laughs> Old married hags. Don't you forget. This is the day for us to kind of thirst and um, I don't say lust after man. What's the right word, it's Jan? It's thirst. You said it. It's thirst, right? Thirst after men. Correct. And it's funny how you've, you've pointed this out. I have a predilection for younger men or men that look young. They might be my age. Like Zach Efron is my is like my age or a year older, but he is my ultimate thing. I, I can't, like of all of the people. This is I really I mean like yes, he's hot, but like that's your number one like of of all the people? Yes, Zach Efron, yeah. Is there a certain era? Um I will you I take like him, him at any point? <laughs> well, not as high school musical days. <laughs> Yes, it's rather illegal. <laughs> I love him. I know. I love Zac Efron. I just feel like, oh, I want to be his Zendaya. You know, like, <laughs> just like 
fallen so good with arms from a trapeze. But enough about me. Who's your absolute favorite? Kind of number one thirst. Um, it'll be Henry Cavill. <laughs> really? Why? Why do you sound so disappointed? You picked fucking. He doesn't Zac do it Efron. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Efron. I mean, yeah, but Jan, Zach. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what can you say? I don't know what I would say. I mean, what do I say about Zach? I don't know. Henry Cavill is just kind of too mus- muscly, you know? Like, he's just a bit like, and so slick. I like how Zach is a little bit like, <laughs> he cleans up well, but he's also like, he can grow a beard. It's fine. I don't um, know. Excuse me, but Henry Cavill can grow beard, and I'm pretty sure he can grow beard much better than Zac Efron. If we're putting it on beards <laughs> right now, <laughs> I mean, I'm in fact I'm pretty sure that Henry Cavill has a Corona beard. So, and I would love to see his Corona beard. And if this message ever gets out, <laughs> Henry Cavill, I would like you to know that I don't care about what you're eating. I just minus your corona beard even with the legal dramas that i watch legal series that i'm into um the good wife which is like probably my favorite of all time so good my favorite lawyer on the show besides peter who's her husband who i think is pretty good looking he is um he played he played big in sex in the city he's Mm -hmm. just really the kind of guy where you feel like you know he can really take care of you and take take care of things Yeah, he's really the kind of guy where, like, he's he's with it, you know? Like, I don't know what it is. Like, he's... And he's so good at playing... He's so good at playing powerful people, I think. Yeah. Like, he's a he's very believable it. president. He's got something, you know? But as much as I love Peter, I have to say, in The Good Wife, I really, really like Carrie Agos. What? And he's, he's probably the only blonde guy that I've ever really thought that's like, wow, you're really good looking. But Carrie Echoes is kind of, I mean, does he, is he even sort of like seen in a sort of sexual light in the show? Isn't he just kind of like there, like doing stuff for Alicia? No, no, he sleeps with Kalinda. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But I love Will Gardner. Josh, I love him. Josh Charles. No, I love I love his character so much. The smoldery looks in the office, the brooding, this like everything that he couldn't tell Alicia, and then just it's just oh, it was so good. Their forbidden love, you know, I love that shit. Um, <laughs> the, oh. the years of like unspoken feelings and and just just the drama, just the tension. I prefer Peter for Alicia, which is like pretty horrible of me. I do realize, but he has yeah, he that is so power hot. hotness. You know that he can like. Dubai. What stuff is that happen. though? Like if it came yeah. down the line, it would be Peter that would. Like, like if do if something. I needed a visa, if I needed my visa sorted, I would ask Peter to help me, and he would find a way. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, I feel like Peter would be the guy that kind of could make that happen for you. And Will, maybe not. Will would just love me in secret. And honestly, that would be enough for me. No, just that's to, not just enough to for pass, me. You gotta to pass each other in the halls and like know that there's like a something. That's enough for me. Like, I'm good. To be honest, I just really think that Peter is so hot. He is hot, though. He was, he was hot, also right? hot as big. In a very daddy sort of way, that's though. That's what it is. It's daddy who's going to fix everything for you. Yeah. It's kind but of it's daddy-ish. Like that's why... He's also quite yeah. daddy-ish. Like, he's not super fit. 
I would imagine. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's kind of daddish and that's hot. I don't want to say more I mean, successful. He's just, the kind he's just of... like up the political ladder, I guess. Yeah. He just has that kind of like jazzy vibe. But like, I hate jazz. <laughs> Peter has it like, ooh, I listen to jazz and I smoke cigars. My, my father-in-law like smokes cigars and I love, I love when he comes over and he smokes them in the house and it, like the smell lingers. I think there's something lovely about oh, that. I hate that. I hate it when Tara lights up c- cigars outside and they have to make sure all the windows are closed so they don't come in. Like the, so it doesn't yeah. come in, the smell. Yeah, I feel like with Peter, though, he's just the kind of guy that's like, um, like, you know, like, we'll send the car back for you. Ali hates doing this. <laughs> like, if the car has left, like, if this is the time we're leaving, you should be there. And if you're not, you're going to have to find an Uber or something to get yourself where you need to get to. Like, there's no way that, like, like, let's say, like, the driver takes him somewhere. He's not sending the driver back. But I feel like Peter would send the driver back. <laughs> and that is so hot. <laughs> Ali would be like, that's just not practical. What a waste of gas. The poor driver has to be sat in traffic. <laughs> I don't even have anything to say to that. It's so good. <laughs> but it's like, don't you think that that would kind of exemplifies Peter? Yeah. He's really the kind of guy that would take care of you. Yeah, because he doesn't give a shit about the driver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he owns the driver and the driver's family, too. Yeah. He sorted their visas out. <laughs> oh, my God. Peter Florex. This is the thing. The fact that, the, that there is even a driver in this situation is already good. Do you know what it takes like yeah. for me? I always have to ask Taro to like come get me. You know, if he's in a cab or something, he'll be like, "Okay, you know, we're we're going on a date on Friday." He's at the office and he'll be like, "Okay, meet me at blah restaurant." I was like, "No, no, 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 no. You got to pick me up." Like if there's yeah. no date, if I am like taking myself to the restaurant, he needs to pick me up. He must love that. Is it easy cool? No, with he's it? so pissed. He's like, why do I have to pick yeah. you up? Let's just meet at the restaurant. And he's like, it just wastes time. Like it, it doesn't make sense to him. But for me, you know, I'm a Filipina. Like, I want to be picked up and taken to the restaurant. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to See, pick me up in like an Uber Lux or an Uber premium. I don't care if it's just a fucking taxi or if you're gonna yeah. walk. But say you pick me up and we go together. Pete, Jan, Peter would use his last hundred dollars <laughs> to hire a car. <laughs> it would be an Uber Lux. An Uber Lux to come pick you yeah. up. And if he had to, like, he would carry you on his back. Well, yeah, he might cheat on you because, you know, he's probably resents doing all of that and it's got to come out somewhere. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to do that shit and he doesn't tell you. You know, he sends the driver back and makes it sound like it's fine, but it's begrudgingly, you know. I don't, I don't know any man who'd actually be cool. <laughs> Except for Peter. <laughs> To send the driver back. And he doesn't even know that he resents you for it. It's like a resentment that builds up. And then he sees a buxom blonde. <laughs> and fucks her and then just he thinks, kept sending the car yeah. back for you. Yeah, because it's like he's taken such good care of you anyway that he deserves this little treat. <laughs> right? This Isn't that how men justify things? Men like Peter, most definitely. Men like Peter, for sure.
Welcome to the Unlock Podcast, Pia. Thank you for having me on board. I think it's really amazing what you guys have been doing at Lawyers for Doctors. Thank you. Thank you. To start off, what was the rationale for setting up your charity? So for Lawyers for Doctors, we wanted to help other Filipinos in need while staying at home and without adding to the burden of our uh, medical institutions. So essentially, Lawyers for Doctors were started by a group of young lawyers from UP Law Batch 2011. Pia, I remember we were talking about this before we started recording, about how you redirected the panic you felt during the start of the pandemic. Why do you think it's so important to redirect that emotion into something productive, like Lawyers for Doctors? We all deal with stressful situations in different ways. And for me personally, I felt the need to redirect it to something like Lawyers for Doctors because it's, it gave me a sense of normalcy. Mm. It made me feel like because at the end of the day, even if there's chaos around us, even if there's a virus, even if there's no solution just yet, life still has to keep mm. moving forward. And the best way to keep moving forward is to mentally adapt. And for mm. me, that, that adaptation required normalcy, which is what Lawyers for Doctors provided, that avenue. It's like hats off to you guys as well, because it's really like, it was a really confusing time. I, I'll you be know? honest. I think... You know, when it comes to very stressful situations, lawyers are generally used to being thrown under the bus. Mm. It started in law school. <laughs> it happened during the bar. It <laughs> happened during your first job. The way the legal profession is, you'll hear a lot of rather scary stories. What it does is it helps us develop grit. Yes. And that... That grit, I think, is what enabled the founders of Lawyers for Doctors, the members, the other volunteers of Lawyers for Doctors to, you know, to use Lawyers for Doctors as an avenue, not only to help people, but also to help themselves. And this is on a psychological basis. Yeah, because when you're um, panicking, it's a sort of helplessness. And, um, you know... <clears throat> What you're saying is that you guys took that helplessness, you channeled it to a specific cause that mm -hmm. then allows you to feel that you're in control of the situation to an extent, which is really great, I think, because not <clears throat> everyone can do that. This is something really yes. important, which I just need to say. Just because we're in a lockdown doesn't mean you have to do a lawyers for doctors, mm -hmm. you know, shindig. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do a charity. It's not exactly. on you. And me being a, in a charity, I want to tell you, you don't have to do it because not everyone mm -hmm. can. We're just all in a different place mm -hmm. right now. So where you are comfortable, totally. how you can contribute while mm -hmm. we're on the, in this lockdown, that's mm -hmm. enough. Like you staying at home, that's a huge contribution. You are lessening yes. the burden of our medical institutions yes. you um 
you trying to lessen the amount of time that you know you go out and see friends within your own village that's another way to help because even within small communities it's so possible to just spread yeah, it without clusters realizing to form it. that way exactly or simple things like just follow mm-hmm. the rules that in itself is a huge help without you having to join a charity moving on from this sort of you know panic panic <clears throat> process processing panic while it's okay if you don't process your panic in the same way that you guys did it's nice to let people know that it can be done that out of like these really terrible situations really dark situations some really good things can happen you know some really good You're some really great right. work can be done and um it's nice that you guys are not judgmental how challenging has the logistics aspect been in terms of deliveries and making sure that the food that you guys prepared get into the right hands so for me this is actually a two part question the first is the logistics portion with logistics we're quite lucky because delivery services seem to have if you can put it this way recovered first because in mm-hmm. the beginning we didn't know how to transport uh you know our donations whether it's food or mm-hmm. protective gear we were unclear about how we should proceed so in the beginning it's it was uh our members donating or rather our members delivering but as it became clear that delivery services could actually take it for us we started moving away from members having to bring it to the hospitals to requesting or actually asking for help from delivery services and sometimes even the supplier of our food donations or our medical supplies had their own transportation so then the burden was transferred to them now as to your second or rather the second part of your question how do we make sure that what we are donating actually gets to the people we wanted to we had to adjust because there's never a perfect system a lot of things can happen along the way whether mm-hmm. whether it's because of um maybe problems on the road maybe the administrative systems how they accept goods so to ensure that we actually got our goods our donations to the right people we made yeah. sure that we had a contact person we also have things like as simple as an acknowledgement receipt so we try to keep the movement of goods of donations of food of medical supplies to as few people as possible and in that way we can actually control and determine or minimize if you can call it food waste or the loss of of donation so lawyers for doctors doesn't exclusively donate food we actually donate medical equipment uh protective gear we actually try and gather the things that our frontliners need and i think one of the interesting more interesting stories is that we actually got a request to help a medical institution get water wow because they actually lost the water connection so we've had that request that for me was one of the most interesting we had another request 
where this medical institution needed styrofoam. And I think it was styrofoam in order to transport blood supplies, like blood bags. Often we think that because we live in a developing country, that some of the things that we experience are, you know, exclusively sort of the product of being in, you know, like this developed con- developing country. But, you know, there's a lot of frontline feeding charities, even in places like the UK, which are relatively developed in comparison to the Philippines. So I think that it's really interesting, you know, like um, it's not just us going through this. And I always try to remember that when I get into this like complaining mode of things or, right. or ranting mode of things, which <laughs> I do, right? Like, and, and then I just, it just takes me one trip to the Daily Mail's website. <laughs> and then I realize we're all going through this. It's not just us. Everybody has similar complaints about all sorts of things. And on the good side of things as well, providing sort of the same solutions. Yes, well, you know, what... What this pandemic has really shown us is everywhere you are, anywhere you go, people will have the same basic issues. Mm. There's a surge in demand. Mm-hmm. And with uncertain, um, you know, uncertain times, it's looking for a supply of that, that demand. And in, and in this case, your example was food. Because mm-hmm. if you're stuck in a hospital and you're mm-hmm. servicing patients and not, not just COVID patients, mind you. A lot of people seem to forget that these hospitals who have COVID patients have non-COVID patients. and they They're pregnant to, women. Yeah. yeah. They, there are a lot of people there who are not there because of COVID. Yeah. And being in that situation, it's a question of, oh my gosh, there's this influx of patients of all kinds. And then you find that these people don't have time to leave. So there's an increase in demand of supplying food in this case for people who are quote-unquote on on an island but Mm -hmm. it's a medical this island happens to be a medical institution that you can't leave I'm really unsure whenever I hear people talk about the past in a very negative way when I say past this is um, the pre-pandemic face of humanity (laughs) because not everything in the past was terrible how do you feel when you hear people talk about making sure that the new normal is a lot better than how we were in the past. It makes me want to get into action, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's quite possible that people are just trying to express their dissatisfaction about the past, Mm -hmm. not because of the situation, but maybe how they handled the situation. Right. Because, you know, aside from the posts that we see on Instagram, on Mm -hmm. Facebook and whatever other social media out that there is, we actually don't know what people are thinking. They could be telling us one whole story on the surface, but yet have different sentiments about it. Exactly. You know, this, for me, this emotion feels like a breakup. It's, (laughs) you know, it's feel like the past broke up with me, you know, like it just kind of said that like, I didn't like how you treated me and now I'm leaving you and now I'm left with this like now this is you know when you break up you have that sort of you're kind of in limbo of like what do I do now what do I do now I had I had this in my life now it's gone now I'm like here on my own (laughs) mulling things over (laughs) yeah what are we supposed to do what did I do wrong you know and like you know transitioning into the new normal it kind of feels like when you start to recover from a breakup, you're kind of, you still, you know, 
you still have your crutches on. Like, it still hurts, whatever that pain is, but you gotta move on because the world won't stop turning, right? And, and this podcast makes it sound like I got dumped a lot. I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did my fair share of dumping, too. If you don't feel anything hmm. post-breakup, it means there was nothing there to begin with. And that's really sad. It means you had no connection. Exactly. And that happens. <laughs> yeah, there are some breakups does. where you're just like, oh, thank God. Oh my gosh, that happened to me. Like, the worst part of it was breaking up. Yes. I actually cried during the breakup. But it's also but the kind of I like, you needed down, to do it. I was like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's what this pandemic is. Like, I think this pandemic, it's really a hard breakup. But you have to ask yourself, mm. are we really breaking up with something so bad? Right. Yes. That's such a good question. We're now open to a world of new possibilities. Mm-hmm. You didn't like something that happened before. Now is the opportunity mm-hmm. to change it. Now is the opportunity to take There's charge. justification for that now, you know. <laughs> in a yeah. non-boyfriend context. Like, you know, now you can, you can go and, you know, get that degree and go <clears throat> get that haircut. <laughs> but speaking of degrees, do you know that there is a lady and it came out in one of the... Um, Instagram news outlets, if you can call them that, she actually utilized uh, all the available free education and got herself 19 no way. during this lockdown. That's how you can process panic. Yeah. She took charge and said, hell, I'm stuck at home. I'm going to do something about Yeah, we discussed how bureaucracies tend to slow things down before we started recording. And you know how the need that your charity addresses, especially when it comes to the frontline feeding, that, you, that aspect that you guys do. Because that need is pressing and the items you donate are perishable. How do you streamline your process so that it's efficient? Well, first things first before we can deal with the bureaucracy outside, we need to really fix our own internal systems. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing about Lawyers for Doctors and the the team Mm -hmm. leads, and generally all of the members, we've come up with a system where from start to end, meaning from the time that we find a donor or a donor approaches us and we match them to hospital need, all the way up to our accountability, we have a system. So within our own group, we have a way to track everything. So for example, we have donor A. Donor A says that they want to donate 50 meals. So we look at our database of Mm -hmm. hospitals and our member from the food group and the hospital relations group will let us know, okay, this hospital A needs this much food, hospital B needs this much food. With the 50 meals of donor A, you can split Mm -hmm. it up or maybe just give it to one. We log that in. Mm -hmm. We match them with a supplier. They can pay directly to the supplier. So we're out actually of that transaction. We're not in any way involved except to quote unquote broker Mm -hmm. the donation. And with a supplier partner, if they have a logistics partner or their own logistics arm, they send the food, they send the supplies directly Mm -hmm. to the hospital. We again log that into our 
our system because we have a Google Sheet mm -hmm. that provides for all of these things. For accountability, we make sure that our contact mm -hmm. receives the goods, receives the food. We also ask for pictures as much as possible. Those photos are then forwarded to the social media and public relations team. They do their magic mm -hmm. and we post it. Then that's one way internally where we are able to control our system. And from there, we address the bureaucracy that we encounter because we cannot control in as much as we'd like to these external factors, the bureaucracy you're going to find in the different hospital administrations, in the different LGUs. There's always going to be somewhere or something there that will be out of our control. So our group focuses on what we can control internally to help us with external factors. Can you talk a little bit about the white paper that Lawyers for Doctors will be publishing? So prior to the podcast, I was discussing how Lawyers for Doctors wants to help other people or other groups with their own charities. And we're doing this basically by publishing what you referred to as the white paper and which we refer to as our business process mm -hmm. flow. And I have to say that the leaders and the team, the different team leads of Lawyers for Doctors is very proud because this has been a work in progress since maybe the second week of the uh, mm -hmm. lockdown. So in order for us to be as efficient as we can be, the team leads took it upon themselves to actually ask for help and help we did receive from people who knew how to create an efficient business process flow. And what's great about it is we finally finished that white paper, that business process flow, mm -hmm. and it's automated. And that automated flow, which makes charity work or what we're doing more efficient, will be uploaded onto our Facebook page. And I think that's great because in a time like this, we shouldn't be mm. keeping things to ourselves. If there are things, if there are processes that work, I think we should be sharing them with others so that more people can help. Yeah, it's Especially a great sort of, that want to, but don't know sort of how where to. to start, you know? Like if I wanted to do this, where to start, what to expect. You know, like, because it's literally like, it's you're birthing a project. It's like birthing a child, you know, like, it's not, it's, I mean, yes. and I find this a lot of the times, like, I think it's so important to have these sorts of manuals because these situations where I've had, like, I feel like I have this great mm -hmm. idea, but no matter how good the idea, it's implementation that is really where the genius lies. You know, your idea can be as great and as amazing, but if you sure. can't turn that into reality, it's fairly useless. I'm sorry to say, it's just error. It's absolutely right. And that's why I love what the founders, mm. especially what they're trying to do, which is yeah, to that's share. fantastic. Because that's what we need. <laughs> so Pia, to conclude, how can we get involved with your charity, okay. especially now that it's winding down? The easiest way to get involved with us is just to contact us through Facebook or Instagram. So 
Just look mm-hmm. for Lawyers for Doctors, Philippines and Lawyers for Doctors. One of the two iterations that will be on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And you can course all your questions there. Or if you want to donate to us, you can great. course it and, through those two pages. Um, what has been the biggest lesson that you can share to those interested in setting up their own charities? So it's not one single answer, but what I think you should do or people who want to set up right. charities, what they should do is to start small. You should grow organically because as you grow organically, you can move and become more pliable. If things are, are working, in a, great, move forward with that idea. If things don't work quite well, maybe move back a little bit, realign, mm-hmm. reassess, move forward again. Mm-hmm. Also put up a charity with people you know and people you know well because you can't help it. Not everyone is good. Not everyone has the best intentions. And so you also want to be sure about where you're devoting your time. Lastly, how do you balance your time with your charitable organizations and the challenges of your own personal life? So for me personally, uh, the group has done such a, a good job of enforcing shifts. So as, as we got bigger, we were able to get more volunteers, more members, and having people around gave us an opportunity to devote more time or maybe a portion of time better. And that's how, personally, I'm able to balance. So in my case, for example, when we were at the peak of, of the charity, I was handling the midshift. So I would be online addressing issues related to social media and public mm-hmm. relations from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Someone else took over or was handling the 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 12 noon shift, and someone took over after me from 5 to 8. And so that's how I was able to balance my duties and obligations. And I think before we sign off, I just wanted to give you our unaudited numbers mm-hmm. just to show you what a small group can do with the right determination. So as of, I think, the end of this month, although wow. it's not been audited, we've raised over 6 million pesos mm-hmm. or rather facilitated over 6 million pesos. About 2.5 million of the amount was used to facilitate food deliveries to hospitals and about 3 million to other necessities like the protective equipment and the medical supplies and other things of that nature. And um, I just uh, wanted to say thank you to all our donors because we really wouldn't be where we are today. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Thank you for having um, me and me representing Lawyers for Doctors. Thank you to Lawyers for Doctors for everything that you guys have done and things I know that you'll be doing more in the future. Thanks for tuning in to the Unlock Philippines podcast. We're definitely learning as we go along as this is a homegrown and homespun effort using whatever tools are available to us at the moment. We hope you found this uplifting and useful. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we are at unlockph.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.